This is the Sound the Foghorn Podcast. And a shot by Hayda. Spurgeon's in. Delays. Shoots one. He scores! Jared Spurgeon has tied it. Your number one podcast for the Minnesota Wild. Proud to select with the ninth pick in the 2020 draft from the Ottawa 67s of the OHL, Marco Rossi. Covering their prospects, the NHL, AHL, news, notes, and much more. Fiala's in for Minnesota. Fiala puts to the middle. Wade scores! Here comes Parisi. Hustling over Shaq. Turk got a piece of a Parisi score! Here's poked away Kaprizov. In for a chance to win it. He scores! Kirill the thrill. Now, here are your hosts. Brett Marshall, Zeke Boyak. And Justin Buck. Hello, and welcome in to thanks to Zeke for pointing this out, episode twenty. Season 3, Episode 4 of Sound the Foghorn. We've made it to the 20s, which is pretty exciting. Um, Brett Marshall joined, as always, here by Justin Bakke and Zeke Boyat. Guys, this was kind of just a, an out-of-the-whim thing. We started back in July, and here we are 20 episodes later. Fittingly, a very fun announcement, which we'll get to shortly, but let's check in. Uh, Zeke, how you doing tonight, my friend? I'm doing really good. Uh, you know, it's uh, been a busy week, but we got uh, lots of uh, hockey and wants to talk about. Uh, mostly good, some bad, but uh, no, it's been a, been a good week, and I'm happy to be here talking to you guys again. Yeah, happy to have you here, as always. And Justin, how are you tonight? I'm doing very good. Uh, I got a new mic, so hopefully the sound is a little better. And I you know, brought the kids skating earlier today, and the youngest is teething, but all is good other than that. And uh uh, I felt like I had something else. Oh, I just finished watching the UMD game. They just won. and Sweet. Good good start to the night. And then we'll recap it with this. Good for you. The Mavericks lost tonight, <sighs> but didn't start Dryden McKay, so that's probably why. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> why. <laughs> that's all right. But maybe one, though. So Minnesota team still won, so can't be too upset. Maybe right. they get them back into the ranking. So we want all those Minnesota teams to be up there. Uh, before we get too far in today, um, as most of you know, we are a, a show that loves to highlight uh, Minnesota Wild prospects. We have tons of segments dedicated to it, um, including their prospect update, which which Justin will get to here in just a minute. And then, of course, we also have you know introduced uh, last week the uh, the uh, Minnesota Amateur uh, State of Hockey Amateur Player of the Week, which will be coming up again today at the end of the show. Uh, but as you know, Scott Wheeler of the athletic has been releasing his prospect pool rankings and we are super, super excited. Uh, we found out just about a half hour before we jumped onto the show today. Um, Scott will actually be joining us on February 18th, um, to talk about Minnesota wild prospects. Um, after his rankings come out, they're going to wrap up, um, between now and, and February 9th. So the wild will come out somewhere in between there. We're into the top 12. So pretty exciting. We're going to have Scott Wheeler on to talk about prospects, talk about his rankings. Um, so be watching out for the article, for one. And two, if you have any questions on his rankings, um, we'll, th- we'll throw out a tweet probably early in that week where you can start sending those in, and we'll get to as many of them as we can on that show. But super excited 
Uh, Scott Wheeler of The Athletico, one of the best prospect writers out there, will be joining us on February 18th, so super pumped for that. Very, very exciting time. Yep, it's going to be great. So look forward to that. Uh, probably our, our biggest guest we've had so far. Uh, n- no slight any of our other guests, but we're really excited to have Scott uh, yes. on the show. So speaking of prospects, Justin, it's your time to shine. Uh, give us an update on what's going on with the Minnesota Wilds prospects. All right. A lot of it has to do with the games that played today. But, um, you know, we had uh, in the KHL, Spetlikov faced against Minnell. Uh, Spetlikov's team just came out on top 4-2. Uh, to two. Spetlikov uh, ended up scoring a goal. Menel got an assist and has an assist in a couple games in a row. He continues to eat minutes. He got like 30 minutes of time on time of ice today, which is pretty insane. Um, Matt Veguskov, he's been playing for uh, the minor league team, in the MHL for for uh, Cheska's team, CSKA. He's got he scored two goals today. He after which is good to see because he had a tough tough OHL season last year with London. And now he's now scored three three games in a row. He scored a goal. And then uh, first off, continues to to play well for UConn after those World Juniors. Yeah, he didn't do a whole lot of the World Juniors, but now he he got another two points today. Um, you know, UConn came out on top six to one, and he picked up a goal and an assist in that game, and now has nine points in the seven games he's played. Um, Hovanov continues to pick up points. He got an assist today and has three assists this week up to 21 points, 28 games. And then uh, Sweeney actually picked up assist in UMD's win, and uh, he's actually tied for eighth in the nation in points. Uh, he's he's got to be up there. It's yeah. like he's scoring every game for them. Yeah, he's got 19 points now in like 16 games or something, but he's he's number two in the NCHC points behind, behind Shane Pinto of North Dakota. And then an, another stat that is pretty nice is He's a shooter, so he has 70 shots on goal for the season, and he's top five in the nation in that, number one in the NCHC. So he's, he he loves to shoot the puck. <laughs> um, another bit of, for him, definitely. Yeah. Another bit of news is uh, Murat Huznadinov has been named part of the Team Russia roster for the Sweden hockey games. That will take place February 11th to February 14th. I'm not quite sure if it will be televised or anything, but I'm sure – we can find a way to watch it. And then Philip Lindbergh, he's kind of had a funky season. I don't know if you guys have seen his numbers. Yeah, I've seen them a little bit. Very odd. It seems like he's got no offense in front of him. Right. Well, he's he's up. His team is up 5 nothing right now. This is his third really start bad. in a row. Um, but last weekend, he started in both games and ended up with a 0-0 tie and a 1-1 tie. His record is zero one and three, which is something I've not really ever seen in college hockey. But he has a one nine one goals against average and a nine twenty nine save percentage, so he's playing really well. And it looks like he's going to finally get his first win of the season tonight, which is good to see. Yeah, hoping hoping that uh, zero stays up on the board for him as well too. Yes, and then just another little thing. It's not really prospect, but a young player. Uh, happy birthday, Jewel Erickson Eck, twenty four years old today. Yes. First line center. Yeah. And yeah. we will have plenty to say about uh, his hot start here in a few minutes. Uh, Justin, I want to go to one more thing now. Uh, Michael Russo of The Athletic tweeted out today, Marco Rossi oh, yeah. uh, is headed back to Austria um, for a minimum, it sounds like, six weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't want to you know, speculate too much, but there has been 
some speculation. Uh, I got to look at the, how, to, how to say it here um, of what Marco Rossi's condition is. This hasn't come from any confirmed sources, but I've kind of seen it in replies and things like that. So I just wanted to get it out there about um, like potentially. Something yeah, like myocardial or pericardial or something like that. It's yeah, I'm trying not to find confirmed, the, uh, but I know what you're talking about because I've seen people make comments, but it's you know pure speculation from what I understand. But it, it makes sense at the same time. Yeah, uh, myocarditis is what um, rumors are that he has, which I guess is it's been a common thing to happen after people get COVID. And in really simple terms, it's inflammation of the heart muscle. Mm-hmm. Basically, symptoms are shortness of breath, chest pain, decreased ability to exercise, which would explain why he can't play hockey right now. Um, duration, hours to months. Um, but it sounds like, for the most part, it's a viral infection. So um, basically, he just has to heal up. So long term, it doesn't seem like it should be a major issue if this is, in fact, what it is. But this is why we haven't seen him even on the ice anywhere near the team. Because, of course, if um, I don't, I think his window to get COVID again is still closed, but just avoiding that risk and then also the inability to exercise. So, right. just wanted to bring that up as speculation. It it, it kind of makes sense reading in the tea leaves. We often don't hear about yeah. it's been said to be an upper body injury, which this would fall That's in that category right. as well. So, and we know it didn't happen in the world juniors, so we can mm-hmm. assume it wasn't a physical injury. So, yeah. narrowing it down, it makes a lot of sense. It does. And, you know, it sounds like we'll see him in six weeks again. And maybe that's when they kind of do a follow-up. And who knows, this is pure speculation, but, you know, give him six weeks to rest and, and see where he's sitting from there. Yeah, and I think uh, someone in the, in the same Twitter kind of comments said that uh, what, you know, kind of what upper body injury would uh, have you go back to Austria for six weeks then come back to the U.S., uh, you know, just a few weeks later in the middle of the pandemic as well. So, but like you guys said, uh, don't want to, you don't want to speculate too much, but uh, just uh, hope it's not a long-term thing that's going to, you know, affect him past this year at least. So moving forward, where does, I don't even know, where does six weeks put us as like a date timeline? I think it's like March something, somewhere in March, right? And I believe the season runs through the first month of May, mm-hmm. I call it second week in May. So there's still a chance Marco Rossi could play for the Wild this season. I think... Any chance of him playing more than six games is pretty much out the window. Okay. Um, I don't see them, unless they're really starting to make a playoff push when he comes in, and he comes in those six games and is you know, by far and away better than anything mm-hmm. else they have on the roster, then he might right. stay. But as of now, I wouldn't expect him to play more than that six-game tryout. Yeah, um, And then maybe he gets sent to Iowa at that point. I don't know if even make, going back to Europe makes sense. But actually, can he go back to Iowa? I don't even know if he can. Um, with the new rules you might be able to though I, I don't even know but no. I wouldn't expect more than six weeks long story short yeah. yeah six weeks from today is March 12th so okay so you would still have about two months after that yeah. to get in the lineup for six games so still nice. a good chance and that we see him this year but we'll just have to we'll have to wait uh, a little bit longer uh, for our sweet Prince Marco Rossi to uh, make his debut yeah and another mm-hmm. good thing just I want to add is he's only 19 so it's it sucks, but he's still very young and, you know, will make a big impact. We waited five years for Kaprizov, so what's one season for Rossi? And that's been worth the wait. Yeah. <laughs> yep, it is. All right. Uh, so that's it for the prospect update. Lots going on. Love hearing about the continued success. Um, obviously, we're hoping the best for Marco Rossi and that 
you know, again, all of the speculation don't take us for fact, but if all that holds true, we just hope for a, you know, a, a good complete recovery. And we hope to see Marco back here uh, sometime in March. All right. So next we're going to move in uh, to, I believe this will be our third edition of a few minutes of analytics. Uh, I think this one will make the most sense of any of the ones I've done so far. Um, and I think it's a really fun stat, an important stat, and a great stat. Uh, we're going to talk about expected goals. Um, so you've probably seen me tweeting about these a lot lately. They're in all my tweets, uh, in my in my charts and stuff. Because I, in my opinion, it's one of the best stats to judge both if a player is driving offense, suppressing defense, and just seeing how they're really impacting a game. Um, you can kind of see it in four different stats. Um, so there's expected goals for, abbreviated by XGF, expected goals against, um, which which is abbreviated XGA, expected goals for percentage, which is just a ratio of the two. So you just take the expected goals for and then divide it by the sum of expected goals for and against, basically meaning when they're on the ice, what is the percentage of their goals for? Um, pretty simple, like any other ratio is, is calculated. And then there's individual expected goals we'll talk about here in a minute. So basically what expected goals are, um, this is from Hockey Reference, I thought it was a really good definition. Um, it's shot location and uses league-wide averages um, from the public data available. So this was developed from data from 2007 to 2018, I believe, um, to determine the likelihood of a shot being a goal. It doesn't factor in whether the shot actually resulted in a goal or not. Um, instead, it's giving a sense of shot quality, looking at the odds of scoring a goal from a location. Uh, there are different models of this that exist from different analytic sites. So there's different ones from moneypuck.com. Evolving Wild, um, Natural Stat Trick, and several others. Uh, I did find a nice list here of, from Money Puck of what 15 things they put in um, listed in order from most impactful to least impactful. So basically, the number it's going to put out is between 0 and 1, and that can be looked at as, as a percentage. So if the shot happened here, it had a 2% chance of going in based on historical data. And these are all the things that figure out that percentage. Uh, shot distance from the net. Time since the last game event, shot type, was it a slap shot, wrist shot, backhand, um, the speed from the previous event, the shot angle, uh, east-west location on the ice, the last event before the shot, um, if it was a rebound, did it change the angle, how much time had it been since the shot previous that created the rebound was taken, uh, let's see, last event that happened before the shot, the other team's number of skaters on the ice, so if it's extra attacker, power play, penalty kill, etc., um, east-west location of the shot. So, you know, was it closer into the net or more from outside? Uh, power play penalty kill, um, time since power play started. Distance from the previous event, uh, north-south location. So was it closer to the goal line or to the blue line? And the last one is shooting on an empty net. Any questions so far? Have I lost you? No, um, I think we're good. No, I think we're doing I'm good. good for me, at least. Yeah. Okay. Not too much left here. And then, so... Expected goals for basically what that is, is when you're in the offensive zone, what percentage of the shot is collectively the group on the ice creating? So this isn't an individual one. That's what individual expected goals is means. That means how many, you know, how what percentage of shots that player takes. Um, these are unblocked shots, by the way. So shots that get through to the goaltender. Um, and indiv individual is just the one player, how many they individually contributed and then, XGF and XGA are when a group of players is on the ice. Um, expected goals four is in the offensive zone. So how many chance? What what percentage of those shots that your team is taking? 
um, have a higher percentage going in, and then expected goals against is the opposite. So you know you want high XGF, low XGA, because um, that means you're suppressing those you know dangerous shots in your own zone, and then um, an XGF percentage, which uses the ratio. Pretty much the general rule of thumb is anything above fifty percent is good, anything under fifty percent is bad, and then pretty much once you start getting like north of like. 70-ish percent, you're in real good territory for XGF, and a couple wild players are there. And then the final note I will uh, include here, uh, this is from Yuri Gelfat, I believe is how you say his name, he's a writer for Jets Nation, which is the SB Nation blog uh, for the Winnipeg Jets, and he says, uh, when you see a team had a 1.35 expected goals, and the other team had a 2.08 expected goals after the game, that's basically the sum of all the team shots, expected goals value. So you can pretty confidently say which team had the more dangerous shots or had a better combined chances to score. So, you know, sometimes you'll look at a team that got outshot. I think a really good example, I believe, was the wild game against San Jose the other night. They were outshot, but they had a higher XG, which means even though they had fewer shots, they were, you know, better value. So it's a, it's a, mm-hmm. it's a better way to look at quality over quantity, which I think is more important than looking yeah. at shots. So... That's it. That's expected goals. Is is any any questions? I, I really like it. I think it's a great stat. Once you understand it, hopefully this made sense. Right. Um, but I think it's a really good way to see how a player is playing. And oftentimes, you can look at you know, all right, what was this player's expected goals in the game? And you can say, yep, he looked definitely looked like one mm-hmm. of the best or worst players on the ice. Mm-hmm. And just to put uh, into quick reference here. Uh, the Wilds expected goals leaders um, as of now uh, shouldn't really come as any surprise. So the leader on the team right now, if we exclude Brad Hunt because of his very small, small yes. sample, <laughs> um, the leader is actually Nico Sturm at 69.57%. Second is Ewell Eriksson Eck, 694 um, Nick Bukestad coming in at number three, 6898 Ryan Hartman, 68.09. And then in fifth, uh, who is it here? Uh, Hartman, he said. And then uh, Marcus Foligno at 64.47, which we know that third line is really good. This is a number that backs it up. We've seen the fourth line be good, especially when it was Sturm and Hartman. Mm-hmm. We ignore Victor Rask. He's such a waste of space. <laughs> um, but it, to me, it all makes sense. And then the individual expected goals, four leaders. No surprise, it's Euler Neck and Kevin Fiala, who see whenever they're on the ice, they look like they're creating scoring right. chances, which, again, that, it backs it up. So I think it's a really good indicator. Um, a lot of analytics community love the stat. Um, one thing it can be compared to is Corsi 4. Basically, the main difference there, Corsi 4 just basically counts all shot attempts. Uh-huh. Um, on, and the difference between Corsi and expected goals, Corsi is just all shots, and it doesn't assign like the dangerousness of the shot. It just counts, you know, every shot, shot attempt, things like that. It doesn't account for the location and the likelihood of it going in. That's the main difference, right. but they're pretty okay. similar stats. XGF basically just takes it to the next, to the next step. So. Cool. There it is. Expect right Hopefully that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yep. <clears throat> All right. So speaking of Joel Erickson Eck and the wild, there was some line changes um, finally, to the pleasure of Minnesota Wild fans, we saw Ularik Sinek move mm-hmm. into the top six, put alongside our darling Kirill Kaprizov, and then uh, the left wing of Marcus Johansson, who prior to last night, I had basically torn a new one right. and was casting into the depths of hell um, based on his play. <laughs> but to, uh, with Marcus Johansson, who 
had an unbelievable game last night, looked like a completely different player. Um, and then we had the top line of uh, Parisi, Bugstead, and Fiala for like a period and a half before Fiala got ejected. Uh, third line was the same. It was just Nico Sturm for Eric's next swap. And then Nick Benino was put onto the fourth line alongside Ryan Hartman and Victor Rask. So what do you guys think of the new lines um, compared to what they were running out beginning of the season? What changes did you like? What do you think worked? What do you think didn't? Well, we'll go to you first. Okay. Well, I, th- I think, you know, the obvious one is like we were talking about is uh, having Yule Eriksson up at the second line center. And I mean, we talked about everyone, every Wild fan has been talking about this the past couple of weeks. And we talked about it on the show last week is that, you know, we really wanted to see him get the chance in the top six with some of the more skilled players. And obviously, you know, that third line that he has been on with U- uh, Jordan Greenway and Marcus Lino has been very good and has been one of the better lines that, you know, not really allowing goals or, you know, scoring chances against in the league. But I was, you know, really happy to see him get put up there. And, you know, a lot of people have been saying, even, you know, like Mike Russo and, and other kind of writers reporters have been saying, well, you know, he's a third line checking center. Can he really play with, you know, the skilled guys? And, you know, my thought was, well, first of all, I mean, he can't really be any worse than any of their center options. And also, I mean, he's, he's scoring like, you know, who, who I don't think you just got to try it. And they did. And he looked really good, obviously had a goal. And uh, for the period and a half they were together uh, with uh, Kaprizov and Johansson, he looked like he was. And I mean, Brett had tweeted out a couple things last night, a few more kind of advanced stats that backed it up. But uh, that line seemed to be really good. And uh, even Kaprizov's numbers seemed to go up uh, and seemed to be a lot better this game than before with uh, Eck as a center. So that was kind of my, uh, you know, main like takeaway and thing that I was, uh, you know, really happy to see them finally try out. Yeah, just to put in those those stats where that Kaprizov had his best expected goals for. Uh, percentage of the season at 86.27%, which is a pretty, pretty good number. Um, that was 0.44 expected goals for and just a 0.07 expected goals against. So 7% of the shots that were taken basically, uh, well, there's only 7% shots of the chances when he was on the ice that went in uh, versus 44%, which is usually good for about one goal, usually like right around mm-hmm. 0.4 usually yields a goal. Um, is a good rule of thumb. And then also factor into four high-danger scoring chances, uh, which basically were all season-high marks uh, for Kaprizov, which, no surprise, once you got him away from Benino, yeah. no slight no on Benino. I don't blame Benino. I just think he was playing above his pay grade, and I thought getting him down into that bottom six would work, and it did. He had a better game. Eck had a better game. Johansson looked better, mm-hmm. separated from jo- from from uh, Johansson. Everything looked good. Um, last night in, in my mind. Yeah, I felt like everything looked good uh, other than that second period. Like, you know, I saw at the beginning of the game, Johansson, Johansson on the, on the second line. I was like, oh, man, after that, that first game against <laughs> the Kings where, where you know, he was kind of lazy with that second goal that ended up winning the game for the Kings. And I was like, why, why can't we try a Greenway X? Kaprizov, like, why are they so stubborn about this? And like, I want to see that line become a line. And then the game started, and I was like, "Holy crap! Like, this is this is probably the best period I've seen us play." Uh, you know, that one nothing Ducks loss was probably our best game, but I would almost say that was that was our best period of the year. And you know, that 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 line just looked fun, and Johansson's pass to Kaprizov on his goal. That mm-hmm. like, you you saw the talent there. Like, Kaprizov finally had line mates that he could do stuff. And we've been hollering for Eck to get in the top six for a while and it paid off. And, you know, of course we split up that third line, but you don't want your third line to be your best line. You want your best players with your best players. And 
I thought the third line still looked really good. Oh, I yeah. think Nico Sturm was, was a he's no Erickson Eck, but I think overall that that switch doesn't change the dynamic mm-hmm. that much of that third line. Nico Sturm's a, a defense first guy. Right. He's big. He's quick. He's smart. Like he's basically kind of a, a Walmart version of Yule Erickson Eck. <laughs> kind of a lot. Like and that that's not a diss on him. It's more of a compliment no. to Erickson Eck, but he's just kind of a lesser version of Eck. Which yeah. if that's your third line, it shouldn't make that big of a difference and i think you right. could even put benuno there and see really similar results too yeah right? absolutely and like the one funny thing about johansson though is we saw that he didn't get moved and like really early in the game the had like a four-on-one anyway johansson carries it in and it's like all right here we go four-on-one and he like throws in the skate to spurgeon the whole play breaks up and like 30 seconds later he's the one scoring the goal and it's yeah, like it's we're all so mad and oh yeah <laughs> yeah yeah that was that was funny it was like oh geez <laughs> I mean, it like wasn't as bad up. as I think the. Yeah, we were. I mean, it wasn't as bad as the. Um, uh, I think it was the Penguins had like a four and zero or something in the game the other night, but like. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, yep. but st- still, it's like it was like holy crap, dude. I mean, if you're gonna pass, either pass, but uh, you know, uh, like you said, he scored the goal, so that's all that matters. And like, yeah, but... no, 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 no. I, I guess the thing that I noticed about him is that, you know, I, I think. Uh, what I, we didn't see in the first few games about Johansson that was kind of evident is that he is actually a fairly fast skater, and I think yeah. pretty good in that part of his game. And I think last night when you saw him, he saw his first game where he saw him really, you know, moving his feet and you know, hustling out more, which has, uh, you know, allowed his skill to, to keep up with kind of some of the guys in the top six. So, uh, you know, uh, as much as we, um, uh, you know, we're kind of trash on the first few games, I think that's probably a lesson for me and for some of some of us else to just, you know, Maybe not to completely have an opinion set on a guy seven games into the year, but right. uh, you know that's that's what we do as fans. So, yeah, the yeah. speed was really good to see it. It, it definitely opened up space, um, especially on the attack. He, he looked much mm-hmm. better, and it seemed like it was less. You know, the, the past games it's make you kind of gain the line and chip it in, afraid to get hit. And in last game, he was taking the puck with speed and carrying it into the zone, and that was creating a lot more offense. Mm-hmm. I thought uh, for the while, and it looked looked to fit Kaprizov's game a little bit better as yeah. well. Absolutely. You know, we we heard about Johansson's speed when we signed him, and like Zeke said, that the, as fans we judge right away, and it's like, wh- where is it? We're waiting on it. Like, and we finally saw it with that that last game. Definitely. Um. So we talked, Zeke. You, you kind of brought this up as like a lot of people don't think Jule Eriksson can be a top six center, but. Putting aside the fact that he has seven points right now, which is tied for the lead, has five goals, which I believe is like fourth in the NHL. Mm-hmm. Um, he just he looks the part to me. Like I don't like we, we're seeing to me an offensive side of Eck, like points aside, just the way he is playing in the offensive zone that I don't think we've seen out of Eck before. But it doesn't seem like it's out of place for him. Like it seems mm-hmm. like yeah, he this looks like something he can do and this Erickson Eck might be a second line center. Um, what do you guys think? I think it's possible. Yeah. And I don't know. I think uh, to Tony Abbott over at 10 K ranks, he kind of wrote an article, I think the other day where he was comparing uh, Erickson Eck's play style to kind of that of Zach Parisi as kind of center where, you know, he's not, I don't think, I think we'd all admit that Eck, I don't think he has like the higher end skill, but he has the same kind of a, uh, grinding style and uh you know get to the net uh go for pucks uh you know kind of style that you can play but while also still having the ability to dish the puck off and you know he does have a pretty decent wrist shot that we haven't seen a lot but uh it's it's still there and uh 
I don't know if I'm ready to go with Sarah that he's a second line center yet in the top six, but uh, uh, I think there's definitely a chance now if he gets to keep doing the opportunity. Right. Yeah. I mean, if he continues this, he can definitely be like a second line center, but you know, you kind of saw this when he was a prospect, like you never know how they're going to develop, but at the world juniors, when he captained Sweden, he had nine points in seven games, scored six goals. And so he, you saw the offense there and got the NHL. It didn't really click in the beginning. He's kind of more defensive, mm-hmm. it seemed, but it, maybe this is his, his coming out of, you know, picking up the offense and maybe all it took was someone like Kaprizov to play with them. Yeah. I, th- I think that's what's like, I, I like the Parisi comparison that, that Tony had a lot in the sense that he just had, had kind of has a nose for the net. Um, we've seen a couple of his goals this year have been cause he shoots, but he doesn't peel off. He doesn't get tied up with the defender. He goes to the net and he gets his own rebounds. A lot of his goals have come right there from just being around the net. He's big down low, can create space, can create offense. We know how good he is defensively already. Mm-hmm. I think he has the potential to be maybe not like an upper end second line center, but kind of that like bottom half, really good two way second line center, which we know Bill Guerin loves. Yeah. Um, obviously, we've only seen it one game so far. We saw it in some spurts last year, but I'm curious to see one if, you know, now with the Fiala uh, suspension for three games, which we'll get to here next. Um, if they maybe, and then the avalanche coming, if the wild just put back the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the grief, the geef line, as it's now been called with Greenway Eckfelino, just to face the as, or if they continue to, to roll with, uh, Johansson and, uh, Fiala. Um, so, uh, do you guys think they'll, they'll change lines again? Or do you think they'll, I guess, what would the, the obvious substitution be right now? Um, Mayhew maybe. He he was reassigned to Iowa today though, which I thought was interesting. But he could still very well be called up uh, before tomorrow. Um, I'm trying hmm. to think of yeah. what they could potentially do. Well, Not a... yeah, I guess I'm trying to think what wingers. I know they have a at center. They have a Luke Johnson, the taxi squad, and he's been mentioned. But other than that, I guess I'm not really sure of the other names that are there at this moment. No, yeah, that... I don't see Brad Hunt joining Parisi and and no, yeah. on the top line. Maybe I mean, you could slide Hartman up there, and then you throw Hunt into the fourth line, perhaps? Maybe. I don't know. I guess, just like you guys, I think, like you said, it depends on uh, if Erickson X stays in that second-line role. Because I know in the last game, I mean, obviously this was an in-game situation that you just switched when uh, Fiala got his game misconduct. They moved Kaprizov up to the top line, I think, with Bukes out of Parisi for a while. I don't know if they would go back to that, potentially, too. But uh, I, I don't know. I think, like Brett said, as to whether they'll move Eric Sinek back down to the that Greenway and Felino line. I mean, it's kind of complicated. You could Obviously, you can see the appeal, like you guys just said, with Colorado just having so many talented players like, uh, you know, obviously McKinnon, Rantanen, Landeskog, Burkowski, Brandon Saad, all these other guys. So Our I fan of the MVP. Yeah. Devontae's. Is he hurt, though? Is Or is he playing, I guess? I don't know. You guys You guys control the roster. I just know he's been good. No, he's been I, played. Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was. I don't. I guess I was reading today that I think he was questionable for tomorrow, but uh, he's obviously very good. But I don't know. I think like uh, Brett mentioned that Nico Sturm's been uh, was pretty good and it was very solid at the third line center last night. I would, I think for me personally, would be uh, very comfortable uh, just starting at least with Eck at second line and just keeping uh, Sturm as the third line center because, like as Brett said, he's kind of a Eric Sinek, but just a you know kind of a light version of him. 
Yeah, so obviously this these little uh, doubts come because Kevin Fiala uh, will not play these next three games against the Colorado Avalanche. Um, received a pretty su- significant suspension for boarding uh, Matt Waugh of the LA Kings. Uh, I think we have some differing opinions. I think more so on probably the length of the suspension than whether or not this warranted a suspension. Justin, I know you were eager um, to jump on this before, when we started right away. So what do you make of the uh, Kevin Fiala three-game suspension uh, for, for boarding? Uh, first off, that I just want to say that was a hit that you know you just don't do. He was saw his numbers all the way from the blue line to the hit, to the boarding, whatever you want to call it. Um, I, I, the suspension is warranted. I thought it would be one to two games. And I was kind of upset that it was three, but it's not necessarily the length. It, it's, it's just kind of the, the inconsistencies in the NHL and suspension mm-hmm. that, that kind of just grinds my gears a little bit. Like Not necessarily the suspension because I expected it, especially with a hit like that. It was It was bad, but for a first-time offender, I, I don't. Know, I thought it would be like two games. Yeah, I think I'm kind of have a lot of kind of the same thoughts as Justin did. I mean, I think part of my initial reaction was, uh, you know, I think I've kind of cooled off a little bit in that sense uh, from when that was announced because it was at first it was like, well, crap, now we're gonna be missing, you know, mm-hmm. our most fast dynamic player against you know one of the very best teams in NHL. So I was maybe a, had a little bit of a biased kind of view, and I still do then, obviously. Right towards what happened here but no I, I'm with Justin I think most of my frustration like he said is just with uh, the inconsistency that the NHL Department of Player Safety has but uh, I still think uh, three games for me is a little bit too long because again I, I don't again it wasn't like it wasn't like good or it wasn't like fine or it was it was a bad play and he very obviously shouldn't have done it because uh, Matt Watt could have, could have gotten seriously hurt and uh, thankfully it seems like he's you know, he's hurt, but it seems like he's going to be okay fairly soon. So, but, you know, it was very bad, but I I guess I just don't agree with three games. But, but then again, you know, if it's an extra game or something, it, it, I guess it really doesn't matter. And I am I guess I'm pretty fine with it now that I think about it. Yeah, for me, my, my gut reaction was that it was going to be a two-game suspension. Yeah. Um, I thought, like, three to me in my head made sense, but the two things I thought that could make them maybe go down to two – was one point you brought up. He hasn't had any supplemental discipline before. Um, and, you know, Kevin Fiala has never been looked at as a dirty player. Um, as Russo brought up in his article, you know, Kevin Fiala had a nearly career-altering injury because of a similar play. So if anyone, you know, isn't going to make that play intentional on the boards, it's him. Um, the other thing, and this is, you know, there are some nutcase wild fans out there that don't think he should have been suspended at all because they think, oh, he, the, the guy fell. And yes, he did catch an edge, but Kevin Fiala helped him into the boards yeah. um, with a pretty good shove. I think the shove to me is, is where the difference is. If mm-hmm. you know he just kind of rides him in and doesn't push him, I think it's different. But it's that extension of the arms into the back um, that really was kind of the, the the differentiator that that made that hit bad versus you know a just you mm-hmm. know more of a just kind of collision of sorts. Um, but as I've said multiple times, accident or not. Um, in that situation where a guy has his back to you, as we touched on the whole way, you have to be in control and expect things could go bad. And Fiala wasn't. You could tell it was remorseful right away, but it's going to suck to not have him for three games. But, um, yeah, I, th- I think overall the consensus here is that, yep, three games, is it is what it is, and the NHL needs to be much more consistent um, because it, it seems like suspensions are about as predictable as whether or not a goaltender interference call will stand where they just kind of spin a yeah. wheel and wherever mm-hmm. it falls, it falls. So. Right. 
but looking at this particular situation, not to other ones, I don't see too much of an issue um, with what they gave him. Hopefully Fiala learns. Uh, my only my only hope is that this doesn't prevent Fiala from remaining physical and being on pucks. Because I thought mm-hmm. that's one thing he's looked much better at this year is his his just intelligence to reading plays and, and initiating body contact, especially yeah. along the walls, which we saw on his goal too. He made a nice read up the wall, blocked a shot and went down and, and scored uh, in, in that first period as well. Yeah. And I think a good point that you made Brett there is that hoping that this doesn't uh, deter him from, you know, playing physical and getting in the corner for the puck and all that, because I think part of the reason this hit happened was him being a little over aggressive and being a little kind of jumpy at that standpoint when, because like you said, if you just would have kind of rode him, you know, I guess not rode him at all, but kind of like, you know, fell into there with him, it, it wouldn't have been nearly as bad as if he shoved him. But uh, I just think, uh, and I think he just got a little over aggressive, a little jumpy there. And, uh, you know, like I just said, uh, thankfully the Kings player, you know, is, I mean, he's hurt, but again, he, it seems like he's going to be fine. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just, Hopefully, it doesn't uh, nothing like that happens again anytime soon because we can't uh, afford to be losing our best players going into four game series against Colorado too many times. But overall, Wild Twitter, good job. Most of you would agree with the suspension, and you didn't make us look like an idiotic fan base. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> didn't really proud of like like I genuinely mean I'm really proud of our fan base for mm-hmm. recognizing like hey that was a bad hit. We admit it was a bad hit, and we're not going to defend our player for it. So I I, I do appreciate that. Yeah. I knew immediately it was going to be a major penalty in the suspension. Yeah. <laughs> just like, ah, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, man. The other ah, fuck moment last night was um, Sean Walker, who oh took a Matt Brennan's top shot to, uh, based on the picture I saw of uh, Sean oh, Walker, if you haven't oh. seen it, it is on Russo's um, page. Just warning. Warning. If if you have an uneasy stomach, I wouldn't look at it. It's pretty pretty brutal, but it looked like it kind of got him what I would call like the orbital bone, so basically the eye socket. Mm-hmm. Um, just below, I think it would be his left eye, basically <sighs> up to his nose. I, I would assume his cheek and nose are broken. He probably can't see out of his eye the way it's swelled up. Um, so I would imagine he'll be out for a little while, but just a freak play. The puck kind of rolled up on Dumba, and it just it uh, it was much like the game stop stocks, and the shot was headed to the moon, and uh, Walker's face unfortunately got in the way of it and, and took the brunt and uh, hoping that he'll be okay. It looks like he'll be okay. He might just be yeah. out for a little bit while uh, yeah. while his face heals up. But man, hockey players, man, that whew, can't imagine taking a Matt Dumba clapper to the no face. No way, <laughs> a gun right there. <laughs> yeah. And one thing I did appreciate about both Dumba and Fiala was they were like the first player like, hey, are you good? Like it was, you could mm-hmm. tell there was no ill will there, um, despite what what uh, the bad word drew doughty is thinks so right. oh, and you know the wild have don't really they have they've had dirty players but we're, we're not in a while like not in a while we're not like a dirty team like, right there's know, no one that has that rep right well, now fiala is the first suspension we've had of a player since 2015 ryan Suter suspension so it's like which we all know how dirty Suter is yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Wishing all the best to uh to the LA Kings and that their players that got you know unfortunately accidentally injured last night uh make speed recoveries and are back on the ice soon. I, I don't like to see injuries no matter no. who the player is, how much I hate them. That includes Gabriel Landeskog, so right. and, um despise oh, because <laughs> Rico, so. oh, man. all right. A uh, little bit more let's see, uh, one more thing I have here on the wild before we move on to um second installation of one of our new segments. Um, is Cam Talbot, who sounds like there is a chance that he could be back. Sounds like maybe Sunday's game. Uh, we'll keep an eye on that. But um, 
let's talk a little bit about what do you guys make of Capo uh, Kakinen's, you know, start to the season. We're seeing a lot more of him early on, I think, than we expected. Yeah. Um. So, what do you guys make of of what he's done so far, and you know, maybe compared to when we talked about him last week? Um. Personally, I'm I'm happy with his start. You know, of course, he had that shaky start, but like we've mentioned in previous shows, he hadn't played hockey in in months because of the pandemic and just the AHL hasn't been. Their season still hasn't started, which sounds like it's starting pretty soon here, as long as things go right. But he's he's stood on his head and kept us in games for for a lot of these games and helped us win. And just something you want to see out of of a goalie that could possibly be the future number one or you know, one A, one B type deal. Yeah, I don't know. I think uh, I guess I I haven't been like disappointed him or anything, but I also haven't been like completely blown away because you know there's he's. Like he made a big breakaway save when it was three or two in the second period last night, and he also made a few huge saves in the third period against the San Jose Sharks a few weeks ago. So he has had, I think, for me, he's kind of been, you know, kind of on and off. Like he's had a few moments in some of these games where he looks a little bit shaky, like he's, you know, still inexperienced. Where, you know, especially kind of in his kind of down low in his five hole, and sometimes his glove hand seems to not always be the strongest. But uh, uh, I know I, I think overall he's been like, you know, he's been fine. He's been pretty solid, uh, and has been a good enough to give the team a chance in front of him a chance to win which you know based off what the wild got in goaltending from last year is really all uh they kind of need out of their goaltenders and especially out of a kind of a rookie like Kakinen who was kind of forced into action here with injuries but uh no I, I think he's been you know just solid in my opinion right well I he that's true he did bring up good things and one thing that <clears throat> I thought of with you talking there was that that uh, delay of game penalty he took. I was like, Capo, no, what are you doing? <laughs> like, go for the net. Yeah, you scored two goals in your career. Like, <laughs> get an icing instead of a penalty. Yeah. yeah. I mean, good thing it was a two goal lead. Cause, yeah. Wow, that could have been that could have been something on Twitter. The stars were aligned for him to go for the net. You got two goal lead. Go yep. for it. But ended up bothering him too much. I think you guys hit hit the nails on the head. Um, Zeke, I think you said it perfect. He's been fine, but he really hasn't like wowed me with a, a complete performance yet. Um, like you said, there's been times where he's made some really nice saves, but at the same time, there's been, you know, kind of some of those Dubnik S like, Oh, you got to have that one kind of goals that go in. And for me, it's, it seems like when he's down, he's just not covering the five hole with the stick. We've seen a couple pucks, you know, whether they're deflected or not, they're squeaking through there, but if you're a butterfly goalie, like the number one thing is when you go down, your stick covers the five hole because that's what's exposed. And he's been beaten there, mm-hmm. I think, two or three times now on ones that probably should have been stopped. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think those are the goals right now. His uh, goal save above expected right now uh, is negative, And I think it's not by a lot. It's very marginal. He's basically just been a very average doing what he's supposed to goalie, but does mm-hmm. have that negative goals saved above expected because I think just some of those goals like mm, you just you just did this one little thing different i think you have that one where it's not like you know they've been yep there was a guy let up at the back door you didn't have any chance of stopping that one um yeah in my mind i don't think the the way he's played at least you know just average or not i don't think he should go back to the ahl i think he's proved he can be a starter in the nhl i think the next step is is he a true number 1 i don't think we have enough samples still to determine that but I do think he's cemented himself um, as a guy that that should play in the NHL, and I think can for sure be you know kind of that one B option at, at a minimum. Right, he could he could be that Anton Hudobin type goalie for us if if nothing else. Like mm-hmm. he, he made a very good career of being a backup, and you know 
we want him to be the, the number one, but I, I can see his career kind of going like that if he continues to develop. Definitely. All right. Anything else uh, Minnesota Wild related that you guys want to hit on here? Um, I can not really, but I guess there's one kind of thing I just want to mention is that, uh, you know, the play of Nick Bukestad the last few games. Uh, sure. Yeah, we could talk about him a little bit. Yeah, just kind of quick going to just talk about him. But I think the first couple of games, he was kind of unimpressive to me, at least. But, you know, the last few games, I mean, again, he's I don't he's not going to ever score a ton, but, he, you know, he has a couple goals and assist. And he seems even though he's obviously, you know, is not a top six center, top line center really anymore. He seems to have been doing a really solid job. And I can't bring up some of the stats off the top of my head, but uh, from the reading uh, tweets from Brett on the on his account and on the podcast account from other people, it seems like advanced stats wise too, he's been uh, seemingly been doing pretty well in that area as well. Yeah, I wouldn't say he's been a, a darling uh, by any means, well, but yeah, uh, yeah, he's been no, no, no. I'm, I'm saying he's not an analytical no, darling by any means, but mm-hmm. he's fourth among wild forwards in games right now at at point nine zero, which among the league is that's upper half. He's third among forwards in expected goals percentage. Sixth among forwards and in, in high danger chances for like, it's like nothing he's doing is like wowing you, but he's just mm-hmm. he's playing really smart. I think is kind of what comes to me. Like he's yeah. not making many mistakes, and mm-hmm. he's he, he's helping the offense. Like he's that like he's the one center. I mean, not named Yuler Neck, but like he deserves to be in that top six the way he's playing. Mm-hmm. I think it looks like him and Parisi have a pretty good have pretty good chemistry. I mean, we know Breezy and Fiala have chemistry, so I'm hoping that's a line that can build uh, once Fiala comes back. But yeah, I, I agree, Zeke. He, he's looked really just solid. Like, mm-hmm. nothing wow, but just like, yeah. You know, and I, the way he's playing right now, he'll be back next season, I think, the way he the way he's yeah. playing. Because I think he, he's a guy that's proved you can move him anywhere. You can stick him with Breezy. You can stick him down on the fourth line. And no matter where he plays, he's going to give his full effort, too. And I think that's the other thing that's been really nice to see is no matter where he's played, he's he's played hard. Yeah, and I, I mean, think especially for the fact that they all they gave up was a conditional seventh round pick to get to him is uh, right. That's you know, just another bonus there. Right. Yeah, great trade. Like, I'll say if you can get a proven NHL player, which he was for a seventh rounder, I will do that trade a hundred times out of a hundred and never yeah. have any results. Like, I don't. There's no one in my head that goes, "Yeah, this guy was an absolute smash." Mm-hmm. Like you stole him in the seventh round. Like they're just right. you don't get NHL players in the seventh round, which. Why they even draft out that far, I don't know. I don't even know how many of them become AHL players, for that matter. But this is what it is, I guess. Worked mm-hmm. out for the Wild. Yep. Absolutely. Anything else before we move on to our uh, State of Hockey Players of the Week? I don't have anything. Yeah, I think think I'm good, too. All right, so let's move into the second installation of one of our new segments, the State of Hockey Player of the week for those that uh, maybe didn't tune in last week. Uh, the parameters are this: we each choose two players, one professional, one amateur. The professional is any an active NHL player who is from Minnesota, so like a birthplace here, play high school hockey here, not including like a Shattuck, but like a public school where they lived, mm-hmm. uh, or homegrown in Minnesota and are playing in the NHL. The amateur covers a much wider spectrum. It can be any amateur player. So by amateur, we mean anyone not playing in the NHL. So that includes AHL, college, high school. Um, and I think professional, I believe we are also including the NWHL women's hockey now as well. Um, shout out to NWHL, Grow the Game. Um, they were including the Burroughs, but amateur, pretty much anything not NHL. And they just have to be affiliated with Minnesota. So they can be from here, 
play here, et cetera. So it doesn't have to be there necessarily from here, but you know, if the college player is playing at Duluth and he's not from here, he could still count for the amateur. So yeah. that's kind of the parameters. Uh, I think who did we start with last week? I think it was me. Yeah. Because you, so uh, Justin, let's go to you first with your amateur uh, of the week. Um, we originally picked the same one and you uh, let yeah. me keep him. So you went to your uh, number two choice. Uh, who, who was your uh, pick? I'm going to do Jackson Cates. He is from Stillwater, Minnesota, current junior for UMD, plays center. Um, he's usually, his brother Noah is usually the one kind of getting the accolades and stuff. But uh, last weekend, he, he scored three goals and one assist against Western Michigan on, uh, I believe it was Friday night. Ended up with uh, 10 shots on goal for the weekend and just helped UMD kind of pull away from Western Michigan in the standings. Uh, they were two points ahead of them before that weekend, and now they're like six right now. But, uh, you know, he he was part of the 2018 Wild Development Camp. He's undrafted. He wouldn't be, you know, he'd be a guy I wouldn't mind seeing the Wild take a look at with my UMD bias. But, no, he's <laughs> he's really become a really good 200-foot player for UMD. And, it, it you know, that that's my amateur of the week. All right, Zeke, who is your uh, State of Hockey Amateur of the Week? Uh, well, uh, my uh, State of Hockey Amateur of the Week is goaltender uh, Ethan Hyder, who was a 2019 fifth-round pick, uh, 148th overall of the Nashville Predators. Uh, kind of a bit of connection to me here. Uh, he was from Maple Grove, uh, graduated the same graduating class this past year, and uh, he's uh, having a really good freshman season at Clarkson out east and, he, and in the 12 games he's played he's 5-4-3 and three, has a 2-10 uh, goals against 9-18 save percentage which is really good to see uh despite you know the maple grove has always you know in their in their history as a school has been a fairly decent hockey team but he's kind of recently one of the better players to come out of there and he also back in 2016-2017 as a freshman was the goaltender he led them was very good uh, got them all the way to the state tournament so uh, just nice to see a guy from maple grove uh, doing well at the collegiate level like that and Clarkson is uh, Nico Sturm's alma mater. So yes. Yeah. Additional Minnesota Wild connection there potentially as well. And, of course, uh, the Predators. Tough uh, tough name in front of them there now with uh, Askarov yeah. uh, to, okay. to, yeah. to the big show. But, as you said, great to see, uh, especially those, those hometown guys that uh, uh, make that impact at the next level. Mm-hmm. Uh, my state of hockey amateur of the week is also a goaltender. Uh, I'm going to go with the homer here. That's why Justin was nice enough to give it to me. It is MSU Mankato Jr. Dryden McKay. And if you don't know his name, learn it because this guy, he was Mankato's Hobie Baker nominee last year. And this year, if he keeps playing the way he is, he could win the damn thing. Uh, Last weekend, he went 2-0 against Ferris State. Uh, Only faced 25 shots, stopped two of them. Uh, Had a shutout on Friday, which was his sixth of the season (laughs) in 10 games. No. Trident McKay has more games with a shutout than he has with a goal allowed, an insane 954 save percentage, and a .90 goals against average. He stopped 185 of the 194 shots, giving up nine goals in 10 Jeez. games. It's absurd what he is doing. He's only a junior, so still has another year of NCAA eligibility. He has 20 shutouts through two and a half seasons now, which is third all-time in NCAA <laughs> history. He's pretty good. Um, yeah. I believe I did throw an ask to Scott Wheeler, um, I think last year, about where uh, McKay might project, and maybe we'll follow up with that question as well. 
um, on our show because he's undrafted as of now. Uh-huh. Um, but I think he'll definitely earn himself at least a pro contract. And Scott said he could see him uh, make it into the AHL, but just due to his under kind of an undersized goaltender, mm-hmm. he doesn't know if he has the, he'll get up to the NHL. But who knows if he's playing this way? Um, hard to believe he won't get a look. Uh, he's 23 years old, so still young. He's from Downers Grove, Illinois, so not Minnesota born, but has been the main uh, Mankato goalie for the last three seasons. And then just some more um, stats from this season. He has nine wins, uh, which is fourth best in the NCAA. He's first in goals against with that uh, .90 and first in shutouts with six. And his save percentage is second among goalies with, who I think I believe my stipulation was more than six games played. Um, so he's been awesome for Mankato, fun to watch. Um, Mankato did lose tonight, as I mentioned earlier, 4-1 to one to Bemidji, but McKay did not play and they gave up four goals. So... Clearly, clearly, it's not necessarily the team in right. front of him. Like I think Mankato has, I think that's their second loss of the year, and they have like another overtime one. I believe all three of those games were the games McKay didn't play in. So that's um, insane stuff. Yeah, it is. Yeah, that's a pretty insane. awesome name for a goaltender, Dryden. Right. Like, it's an Dryden, awesome Dryden. Name. <laughs> yeah, Dryden McKay. Like it just sounds like a guy that's like, yeah, this guy's a goalie for sure. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so uh, Dryden McKay. Uh, Jackson Cates, and then was it Ethan? I think it's Hyder is how you say it. Ethan Hyder are our uh, amateurs of the week. Some goalie love, which will continue into the pros, at least for me. But uh, Justin, let's go to you now for your uh, pro of the week. Okay, can I do an honorable mention for for the amateur? Absolutely. Um, Nolan Walker, St. Cloud State, he scored four goals and one assist in a game last weekend. I forgot who they played, but mm-hmm. um, I originally went was going to go with him, but went with Cates because he's a Minnesota boy. But this guy's from Anchorage and had a huge weekend for SCSU. So that's my honorable mention. <laughs> and then for my Minnesota Pro of the Week, um, I'm going with Elk River Native and a player Wild fans will – Definitely recognize a guy that seemed to always have big hockey day in Minnesota. Um, Nate Prosser, he, he ended up, uh, he hasn't been in the NHL for two years and made his debut with the Flyers um, against New Jersey and ended up uh, scoring the game-tying goal, and they ended up winning the game. But uh, it, it was good to see him back and, and making an impact. And the definition of a consummate professional, Nate Prosser. Yeah. Locker room, um, locker room favorite guy. There's a reason Chuck Fletcher has, you know, brought him everywhere he's went. Michael Russo still talks about how he's one of his absolute favorite players to cover. He's one of those guys who's like you've never heard a bad thing said about him, and you mm-hmm. could tell even you know a, a short time in Philly. Um, you know, people know he's been a minor league like Justin you said for two years, and you could mm-hmm. just see his teammates were absolutely pumped for him to get that goal and if you didn't see it it was a goal scorer's goal yeah, it was. He knocked down from the blue line found a rebound in the back door and banged it home like it wasn't yeah. nothing fluky he was he was in the right spot and just and buried it yeah it was awesome to see yeah, uh, him get that goal last night because yeah. you gotta love nate prosser yeah and and the picture after the game of him holding his goal puck like oh just, that like, smile man yeah he looks like the happiest person in the world in that moment <laughs> <laughs> like the definition of i'm just happy to be here all yeah. the time oh yeah and I mean as, as as like the biggest compliment for Nate Prosser. Oh, yeah. And it's a guy that he knows his role. And just like, even with the while when he was kind of that sixth, seventh defenseman, every game he played, he just, he worked his ass off. And that's that's all yeah, you can ask did. for from, from those types of players. So, 
Great, great for Nate Prosser. Miko Koivu uh, added his first goal for Columbus last night as well. So it was a good night for uh, for former Wild fan favorites. Yeah. All right, Zeke, who is your uh, pro of the week? Tough to follow uh, uh, the beloved Nate Prosser. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, my pro of the week, I'm going to go over to the NWHL. And uh, I believe, you know, people can correct me on Twitter, but I believe uh, her name is Amanda Levier, is how you pronounce it, I think. But uh, she's been the Whitecaps goalie in the NWHL bubble. And uh, she's 3 0 with a 1.97 goals against and a 946 save percentage. Uh, the first game for the team overall was kind of rough. I mean, she gave up five goals, I think, in the first two periods. But they did end up coming back from four goal deficit to win in the shootout. And, uh, She's just been uh, really good in a couple of games since, and I've been kind of paying attention to watch. And just been really impressive. And looking back uh, in, her, in her stats in the past few seasons, she's been a really good uh, goalie in, in the NWHL and was also very good uh, at the University of Minnesota. So uh, just give a shout-out to the NWHL over there. I think they're starting back up tomorrow, and I believe they're playing kind of just decide the one seed. But uh, it's good to see them doing well. Yeah, and it's it sounds like, uh, you know, quick note on the NWHL, They've been getting awesome viewership. We're not going to talk about the barstool issues on this show because we just want to talk about the good things about the NWHL. But it's not like their their viewership is up. Um, mm-hmm. It sounds like lots of people are tuning in. It's great to see women's hockey growing uh, in the in the in the U.S. and in Canada. Um, obviously the Whitecaps are a big part of that. They have a very good team. Um, we're favorites. I I, th- I think they might have been the favorite to win the Isabel Cup, which was they had one game left yeah. last year. It, it was yeah. the championship game. The Whitecaps were in it. Um, and it got canceled due to COVID. Um, but uh, they're looking to to make that run in the bubble uh, in Lake Placid this year. So, um, then of course our friend uh, Alexis Pearson over at uh, the Bar Down Beauties, um, I believe just got to Florida like this week, and she'll be on play by play on on Twitch is where you can find those games for free. So tune in there to to, to check out you know the Whitecaps and also um, a, a local broadcaster. So pretty cool there as well. Uh. Justin, did you do? Yeah, you did your pro yep, Prosser, yep, yep, and then uh, Zeke. What was her name again? What? what how do we think? Uh, it's it? Amanda Levier, I think. Amanda Levier, Nate Prosser, uh, and me and Zeke sticking with uh, the goalie love. Uh, my pro of the week is Jake Ottinger, uh, the goaltender for the Dallas Stars, uh, native of Lakeville, Minnesota. Played uh, one year at Lakeville North High School, uh, where he was a state runner-up. Went on to play at the National Development Team, Boston University. And then made his way through the AHL, uh, Texas Stars, and then uh, made that all the way up to make his first career NHL start last night with the Dallas Stars and won that game. Wasn't anything too impressive. Made twenty of twenty three, uh, stopped twenty of twenty three shots, but ended up getting his first win and his first career start. Um, just twenty two years old, and hopefully the first start of many on a long career for uh, for Jake Ottinger. Absolutely. And, and speaking of goalies, Philip Lindbergh just got his first uh, win of the season. Did he get the shutout? Yep, 5 nothing win. Nice. Oh, yeah. Very nice. It's because it, we dedicated this podcast to goalies, so yeah. that's why it was great. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, he that, so. <laughs> he only maybe 16 maybe shots. a good omen for tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, I hope so. I'm not going to jinx it, but maybe a capital cock and then flashes some brilliance tomorrow night and... Might, does, we, they might need it. They might, does yeah. the thing? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's gonna, it's gonna be, it's gonna be a tough, tough four games. <laughs> All right. So there you have it. Those are your Minnesota pros and amateurs of the week. Uh, a segment we really enjoy doing. We think it. We, we hope you, uh, you guys enjoy it too. Um, and we're look, exploring, uh, maybe giving you guys a say and uh, picking someone uh, here 
in the coming weeks. More on that um, in some upcoming episodes. But before we sign off, we're going to bring back, I think, one of our favorite segments, one of the three of us, and that is our draft. Um, and we have a pretty interesting one today. Um, it, it's We're going to call it the 0-9 to nine starting lineup draft. Um, I stole this deal from, or this draft idea from um, Down Goes Brown uh, of The Athletic. I think he did this on a team level, but basically what you have to do is build a starting lineup of your normal six players. So, uh, you know, three forwards, 2D, and a goalie. But the stipulation was, is that to be active NHL players, and you have to use player numbers. And among all six of the numbers, you have to use the digit zero through nine exactly one time. So this was, it's a lot harder than you think. Um, But we're going to draft that today. Um, I randomly selected the order before. Justin, you get the first pick. And we're going to do six players. You have to use each number, 0 through 9, player numbers, exactly one time and, and build out a roster. Justin, you are on the clock with the first pick. Uh, who are you going to take? I'm going to use the numbers 9 and 7 and take Connor McDavid. A pretty obvious 101 there. Yep. But 9 and 7 are tricky because those are a lot of players I feel like have a 9 or 7 in their number. So you have to find some, some depth guys later on there. Yeah. Uh, Zeke, you ended up with the second, so you have uh, the next pick. Where are you going to go with your first pick? Yeah, so uh, I guess just first I just want to say I think I may have screwed this up, and I do not have a zero in any of my numbers, but, you know, oh, well, this is kind of hard. But anyways, with my uh, second pick, I am going to go with a 30, three and a four, uh, Austin Matthews. A good pick there for Austin Matthews. I'm also going to use a four. I'm also going to use a zero, and I'm going to take uh, Elias Pettersson uh, of the Vancouver Canucks uh, as my first pick. And then I have back-to-back. I'm also going to take number eight, uh, Kale McCarr. So I've used four, zero, and eight uh, so far, and I have McCarr uh, and Pettersson. Uh, and it goes back to Zeke. Okay, so with my uh, second pick here, I'm going to use a 5 and a 9. I'm going to select uh, Jake Gensel for the left wing. All right, and Justin, it goes now to you with uh, two picks. Uh, I have... Yeah, go ahead. Oh, you go ahead. You can finish what you're saying. Uh, so I have Pedersen and Makar. Zeke has Matthews, and then um, you just picked... Uh, Jake Gensel, yeah. Jake Gensel. Mm-hmm. I'm going right. to go ahead and fill up my forwards. I'm going to use the one and the zero and get um, Panarin. And then I'm going to use the number eight with Alex Ovechkin. Pretty dynamite first line. You got Ovechkin, McDavid, and Panarin. Not too shabby. Not too bad. All right, Zeke, it goes back to you now for your next pick. Okay, so with my next pick, I'm going to go number six, and I'm taking Brock Besser. Good old Minnesota boy, Brock Besser. It's going to come back to me. Uh, I'm going to go the numbers 2 and 7, number 27 from the Winnipeg Jets. I'm going to go with one of my favorite players in the league in Nikolai Ehlers. And then I'll fill out my forwards as well. And then I'll take uh, from the Calgary Flames, I'll take Matthew Kachuk uh, with the numbers 1 and 9. It goes back to Zeke. Okay, so with my next pick, uh, with the numbers 7 and 2, I'll take... uh, Thomas Shabbat for the lefty. He is someone I definitely considered. Good pick. 
rising star for Ottawa. Dude plays like a gazillion minutes. Yeah, he does. <laughs> like, he if does. you thought Ryan Suter much minutes, go look at Thomas Shabbat game logs. Yep. He's a lot. All right, Justin, back to you for this your last two? I have three picks left. Three I have two for last yep. two. Um, I'll use the numbers three and two. Take Jonathan Quick for goalie. And then I will use the numbers six and five for Eric Carlson. All right, some hot. So you have your line, your skaters, or everyone but one defenseman filled in. So you have Ovechkin, McDavid, Panarin, Carlson, and Quick, and that's Eric Carlson. Yep. All right, Zeke, back to you. Okay, so with my next pick uh, at number eight, I'll take uh, Drew Doughty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not too fond of him. Of him. No, he did throw a couple cheap shots at our at our sweet Prince career yeah, last night. He's definitely darn, on my shit list. That darn yep. cross check pissed me off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we have we ranted about cross checks on this podcast yet? I feel like we did. No, but it's due for a little ranting. I think soon. Sure, let's pause the draft quick. The NHL needs to crack down on cross checking, and yeah. all all forms. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a dang penalty. And it's the most obvious one too. Like, yeah, it is. If the guy puts two hands on his stick and extends them, cross checking doesn't matter if it's on the boards, if it's in front of the net. I don't care where it is. Start calling it, and I don't care if it's on my team or the other team because I'm sick of watching Zach Parisi get, you know, mm. 15 cross checks in the middle of the back every game. Kaprizov almost got could have gotten hurt in a very similar way to what Kevin Fiala did to to the to the Kings defenseman. Very similar play. Kaprizov just didn't fall awkwardly into the boards, thankfully, but. Just I'm getting sick of it, and you see it happen every game too. It just guys just oof, like just they just get nailed in the back. It's just mm-hmm. ridiculous. Yeah, they do. You could tell it hurt Caprice. You see his face after a cross check. Mm-hmm. I'm glad he's he that wins like the arching like yeah. Like I'm glad mm-hmm. he flashed him back. But Jesus, Jenny, like call that bull crap. It's someone's gonna get get really hurt. Like the kidneys are gonna get messed up or something. I don't know. Yeah, and I mean. Well, we we obviously know that as wild fans with the with Zach Preezy getting cross checked mm-hmm. right in the lower back out from the net, and it resulted in him having to have back surgery on it. So it's just ridiculous that they, if you're gonna have a rule like call it, just, just call it. Yeah, it's it's silly. Definitely. All right, uh, <laughs> a little bit of a tangent there, but I think we're uh, <laughs> we're back to me here. Uh, these are my final two picks, so I need a defenseman and a goalie. I will take um, who, as of now, is probably a Vesna favorite. Uh, shut out the wild once already. Uh, John Gibson, uh, number thirty-six in the Anaheim right. Ducks. On my mind, one of the most criminally underrated. Not only goalies, I just think players in the NHL. I, I love John Gibson. So good, so sound. And then I will take uh, my last number. I need is five. So I will take uh, Aaron Eckblad of the Florida Panthers, number five. And that means it goes back to Zeke. Okay, uh, with my last pick uh, for in goal, uh, with the number one, I'm going to go with uh, Thomas Grice. And we'll just pretend there's a zero in front of that. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I kind of screwed up. <laughs> zero one. That's it. This was you very hard. Uh, <laughs> off the show, we can give you the opportunity to, to, to make a couple swaps if, if you want. Otherwise, okay. we'll just count a zero in front of Grice. We'll okay. Kind of against you. Cool. Cool. All right, and then Justin, to you for your last pick. Um, It's going to have to be a defenseman. I'm using number four on Miro Heiskanen. Good pick. I did consider him as well, but he had five is the number that gave me a whole lot of fits. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
but all right so here are the final rosters pending any you know if Zeke would like to make an adjustment or not uh, we have Justin his forwards of Ovechkin number eight McDavid 97 Artemi Panarin number 10 at defense he has number four Miro Haskinen Eric Carlson number 65 and then in goal number 32 Jonathan Quick Zeke has as his forwards group number 34 Austin Matthews 59 Jake Gensel six Brock Besser 72 Shabbat and eight Doughty and then 01 uh, Thomas Grice uh, in net and then my team is Elias Pedersen 40 Matthew Kachuk 19 Nikolai Ehlers 27 Aaron Ekblad 5 Kale McCarr 8 and John Gibson 36 um, we also encourage you guys to give this a shot um, as well, send us your lineup of players using the number zero through nine exactly once among your six players. It's much harder than you think. Trust us. <laughs> yeah, it, it <laughs> it took a while to put this together. Yeah, we had we had to this line we had to this draft a little bit uh, offline before the show uh, per se, just to just to make sure that we wouldn't spend uh, you know fifteen minutes every pick trying to figure out a <laughs> in case uh, one of our uh, <laughs> players got got taken. But those are the rosters. Uh, for our draft, we'll try to do some more of these throughout uh, when when time allows and stuff, but it worked out pretty nice today. We're a teeny bit over time, but I think we covered lots of good mm-hmm. stuff today. Uh, guys, any uh, parting thoughts here before we tell everyone? Uh, just remind them where we can find them. And, uh, any parting thoughts? Yeah, I guess uh, just you know, with obviously four games coming up against the Colorado Avalanche, uh, this could sound a bit silly, but... You know, the teams obviously don't really love each other, and fans especially, yeah, if you go in any Twitter comment section, don't really love each other. And I always tweet this out on my personal account of here, but just remember, I am very much not fond of the Colorado Avalanche, and so just, just remember, you do not have to engage with them on Twitter. You do not you do not have to get into Twitter battles. You do not have to respond to them. They might come at you with, you know, things like, oh, I went over to so-and-so wild player's house for a drink but no cups, or you know, post a picture of a wild mat with their dog pooping on it, which is, you know, so hilarious. But this, again, this sounds a little funny, but just you don't have to interact with them. If they come after you, just just stand down that they'll throw you the cups argument at or whatever. It's it, it just just have fun. And enjoy the hockey game. Just send them the clip of Nino and then they'll be quiet. Yeah. yeah. Or, or go find the one. <laughs> yeah, that one, too. But also there's one uh, on YouTube where it has the the Niederreiter and uh, Andrew Burnett goals synced up at the same time. And yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, send them like Brett said. Send them that one. Uh, that that gets them riled up too. And then you could send them the. Uh, there's that highlight reel I think from like the 16-17 season of mm-hmm. just like the Avs players like missing breakaways, like oh, running oh, into yeah. each other yeah. when they're yep. terrible. <laughs> I'll I'll be transparent. I love watching Colorado. Would I say they're one of my oh, favorite yeah. teams? Maybe. I like everything about that team, not named Gabriel Landeskog, yeah. because as we discussed earlier. Yeah. He and Miko Koivu butt heads, and anyone who was an enemy of Miko Koivu is an enemy of mine. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I guess I will say, <laughs> I will say, this is more of a from past experience with, uh, you know, just this is just Twitter pe- people on Twitter. And oh, yeah. So I, they are very good, and obviously, guys like Nathan and all them, I admire their skill and they're fun to watch. But uh, I know I'm probably not the only Wild fan who uh, has the same kind of thoughts about the team. Right. So. Oh, and I used to love them growing up. They're my favorite team between Minnesota franchises because of Joe Sackick. But now, not so much. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think th- this will be, I think, for me, a really good benchmark to see how good this wild team really is. All their underlying mm-hmm. numbers right now, despite having three losses, have been pretty good. Two of their losses were games where I thought they were actually the better team. Um, 
the the you know the one loss to the Sharks was the one where I'm like probably wasn't the better team, but the other two I thought, you know, the one against the Ducks, and then I even thought thought they were against the Kings at the Wild, spike getting out shot. I thought they were getting the better chances and just had kind of some bad balance yeah. and stuff. But you know, I think this will be a really good test these next four games now, especially without Fiala for three of them to see mm-hmm. you know, how good this team is. These are huge games. Um, we see more and more teams getting affected by COVID. The NHL. I mean, I think there's speculation and it might come to fruition that not every team is going to play all 56 games. So it might come down to win percentage. So you can't rely on, you know, making that push late. You got to win games now. And I think this will be a really good test of these next four games, see what the wild have and, and for their, you know, their blue line and those guys like Eck and Greenway and Felino and Sturm to prove why, you know, depth matters right now and why yeah. defense is sometimes better than offense. So mm-hmm. I'm excited. For sure. Yeah. I have one parting thought as well. Sure. A little bit different gear here. Uh, you know, yesterday was Bell, let's talk. And yeah, you know, I've dealt with mm-hmm. my own anxieties from fire department, just shit I've seen uh, for lack of better terms. But, you know, if anyone ever needs help with anything or needs an ear to talk, don't be afraid to reach out to me. And I'm sure reach out to either of these guys. I just want people to know they're not alone and they're not the only ones going through crap. So, you know, especially in a time like now with a pandemic. So don't ever be afraid to reach out. I think yep. that's an excellent, uh, excellent way to end sure. end this show. We started on a high note. We're going to end on a high note. So uh, just that reminder, Scott Wheeler will be joining us on February 18th to talk about prospects. So don't send us questions yet, but start thinking about them for when he does join us. I'm going to have those ready because uh, we're excited to have him on. But guys, before we go, Zeke, where can people find you and your work? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at ZBWildNation underscore HW. And you can also find uh, my writing and work over at HockeyWilderness.com. And Justin, where can we find you and your work? You can find me at ZEast2004. You can find me at CapriceFC with the CapriceF Countdown. And you can find me at MNW Prospects with Wild Prospects and Young Players. And as always, you can find me on Twitter at B underscore Marsh 92. Be sure you are following the podcast as well at Sound the Foghorn, all one word. We are also on Instagram at Sound the Foghorn. Lots of fun, interactive content there. So be sure you're following us everywhere and following the three of us. That'll do it for tonight's show. Uh, four games against the Avs before we jump on next. So it could be a very different mood next week. Hoping for the best. But until then, this has been another episode of Sound the Fog.